Hey guys, welcome back to the Wisdom and Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Boucher, and this is where we cut through the Christianese and tradition-based thoughts that hinder us from the limitless lifestyles that we as actual children of God are designed to walk in. So let's go ahead and dive into the Word and see what the Holy Spirit has for us today. Praise God. Well, welcome back to Wisdom and Stuff Podcast. This is Daryl Boucher, and uh, uh, praise God. It's just a good day. It's a glorious day. It's the day the Lord has made, and we're going to rejoice. We're going to be glad in it. We get to be on the earth today. We get to be the ones who steward heaven into the earth today. We get to be the ones who reconcile uh, you know, people to the presence and, the, and the, the glory of their Father God, and that's such a high thing. Praise God. And I just tell you, just just even spending, spending time with the Lord, spending time in prayer, uh, you know, in in just seeing His kingdom in the earth, His kingdom that that has no end, His kingdom that that is just taking over things, and you know, the earth is is you know full of a lot of darkness, but the glory of the Lord has risen upon us, praise God, and and we grow brighter and brighter to the noonday sun, and this is what people will see out of us is the glory of God rising and, and filling the earth as the water covers the seas, praise God, and so today I want to get into something that um, that is it's just kind of a, a, a interesting thing that I saw in the Word a while back, quite a while ago, but. Uh, but this is this is about Jesus, and we know Jesus is our reflection, right? He is he walked on the earth to show uh, who we are. He didn't walk on the earth to prove who he was. He didn't walk on the earth to prove uh, who God is. You know, God does is not insecure. He doesn't need anybody to to you know help him out in that area. And so Jesus was not on the earth just to show off. Uh, he wasn't on the earth just to die for our sins. I mean, that was obviously a big part of what he did on the cross and through the resurrection. But he had had an earthly ministry that was about three and a half years long, roughly, whatever. And in that ministry, he he was not, like I said, he wasn't just showing off what God could do. He was showing what redeemed man could do. He was showing what righteous man could do. And so everything he did, walking on the water, you know, raising the dead, healing the sick, he literally said we would do the greater works than, than him. And so this was, this was not to show off. This was to actually show us who we are, right? And so one of the things, though, I see in Jesus' ministry and and obviously it's, it's it, this is a model of what happens in our life as well. Is there there is transition times in Jesus' ministry where he goes from you know basically even though he's he is the Son of God the whole time, even though he you know is uh, you know walking with God, he is the righteousness of God. You know he is he is has communion with God. All of these are true throughout his whole life. There is times when he enters into different seasons of his ministry. And uh, this is important for us to, to take note of because there's some details that we see written in the Word that, that help us to show us transitions in our life, in our ministry. And the things that God writes in the Word are so important because he could have written you know, literally a thousand more things easily. But the, in fact, John says if, 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 what, if what Jesus did were to be written down, that the, the whole earth couldn't, couldn't contain the books thereof. And, but yet, so that tells me that the value of the things that were written down is even higher. We need to pay attention to the details that are written down, the details that God chose to write down, because they are uh, so important for us to see what we are, what we're doing in the earth. So anyway, in, in Luke, in chapter 4, and it says in verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And it says, Being forty days tempted of the devil. 
Now, so here he goes up into the wilderness. He uh, he is is there for forty days, fasting and praying and being tempted of the devil. Now, and then it says over in uh, if we go if you skip down, you know, just several verses here. It says um, in verse. Uh, Verse 13, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. It says, it says and he taught in the synagogues, being glorified of all. So here he it says here, in verse 1, it says he was filled with the Spirit, right? And then he was led up into the wilderness. And then in verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the, the region around about. Now, I want you to see there's a difference between verses 1 and verse 14. Right? Verse 1, it says he was filled with the Spirit. So here he is. He is the Son of God. He is, he is you know, purely righteous. He is sinless. He And it says he's filled with the Spirit in, in chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 14, there's something else going on, though. It says, He returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region around about. So now there's something different. Now he's actually returning in the power of the Spirit. Now he's empowered by the Spirit. He's not just filled with the Spirit. He's empowered by the Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit didn't change, right? The Holy Spirit is just like God. God cannot change. The Holy Spirit didn't change. It, it, something happened with Jesus between verses 1 and verse 14. And it says that that here in verse 14, he, he returned the power of the Spirit in the Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region. So his influence then was skyrocketing. Suddenly, he has influence. He's, you know, 30 years old, and he's been on the earth for 30 years. He's been the son of God for 30 years. He's been, you know, uh, you know, just walking in righteousness for 30 years. He's been sinless for 30 years. He's been in communion with the Father for 30 years. So none of that's changed. His relationship with God didn't change. His relationship, you know, with, with the Holy Spirit didn't change. I mean, he, he has the same communion level. He has the same, you know, sonship level, right? He has the same righteousness level. He, he all None of that's changed. But yet his influence in the earth drastically changes. Suddenly, he, he goes from, you know, being basically somebody who loves God, is one with God, is, is, is filled with the Spirit. And so he goes from that to being empowered with the Spirit and having massive influence. And I, this is really what I want to I get into just briefly today is that there are things that happen in our life. God wants us to have influence in the earth. He didn't design Jesus just to be righteous on the earth. He designed Jesus to have influence on the earth. He designed you and I to have influence. Okay, And that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have a five-fold pulpit ministry or however you want to put that. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to have you know some international thing where we're, we're flying all over the world. However, it does mean we are supposed to have influence, and and we should have worldwide influence. Now, that whether that means that we physically travel or that our voices is physically heard, you know, through a media like this, or maybe it it means that you are in prayer and that your prayers actually shake the earth, that your prayers actually allow heaven to invade the earth. You know that your prayers literally, uh, you know, literally transform governments and transform, you know, whole nations. I mean, you understand that there's 
There's been you know documentations of, of different times when, when there's been revolutions in different countries that were basically bloodless revolutions because of the praying body of Christ, because there was a group of men and women. They came together, they prayed the word, and their government changed, praise God. And, the, and, the, the, and, and not just their government, I mean, because the government is just a representation of the people, the people's hearts changed, and then the gospel began to flourish in those countries. And it's because of a praying people. You understand that we're supposed to have we are supposed to have influence well past our our immediate family, well past our church, well past well past our community. We are supposed to all of us are supposed to have worldwide influence. Every one of us on this earth, you, me, whoever we know, we are all designed with a DNA on the inside of us that looks just like God. He fearfully and wonderfully made us. And in that DNA, that DNA can do nothing less than change the world. That DNA can do nothing less than actually change everything around it. That's how big God is. And he is no smaller on in me than he is on anybody else. He is God. He doesn't shrink to come on the inside of us. He actually got us saved so that we could ha- so that we could carry his bigness. He didn't he doesn't shrink down to come into us. He made us as bi- is so big on the inside so he could be in us. So that greater is he that's in us and he is in the world so that he can impact and influence this world, right? So so we need to understand that, that we're here to change the world. We're here to have influence. And Jesus, he he was not, you know, designed, you know, like in this point, he was just as sinless. He could have you know what? You'll get gotten baptized in the Jordan if that was part of the plan. Whatever. I mean, I know it was, but let me say he could have he could have gotten baptized in the whole in 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 the, in the Jordan, um, and then and in that very moment. Now here he is, the sinless Lamb of God. Um, he's walked on the earth for thirty years. He has, uh, you know, he's gone through some things, but he could have at that point gone to the cross and died for man's sins. And, and, and that would have been the, the end of it. That would have been the deal, right? Because he was sinless. He was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, like John the Baptist said. He was already walking in that capacity. He could have just went right from the Jordan to the cross and died for man's sins, and we would have all been saved. But that wasn't good enough. There had to be a, there had to be something that he was walking out to reflect who we are, and this is part of that. The influence that Jesus had. Notice what it says here: that he returned the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. Now it says very clearly in the Word that he that he made himself of no reputation. In other words, he didn't he didn't start a mass media campaign that's not what it was right he didn't just say hey get the word out i'm i'm on the scene now let everybody know that jesus is coming to town you know he didn't do that right he 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 made himself of no reputation so he wasn't advertising himself he wasn't promoting himself what he was doing was and there's nothing wrong with as the Lord leads people to to you know get the word out about what they're doing. There's nothing wrong with that. But that but understand the the that his fame was not a result of his of, of propaganda. Okay, his fame was not a result of his mass media outreach. His fame was a result of an anointing on his life that allowed influence to actually pour out of him and drew men. And so why it says even when if we lift Jesus high today, he draws all men to himself. He has an anointing of influence and. And so, uh, and I believe everybody should have an anointing of influence. Now, like I said, whether or not that's from a public forum or whether or that that's you in your kitchen or in your cl- prayer closet praying and shaking the heavens and the earth and and just knowing that that you know through your prayers nations are changing. That's just as powerful as somebody who's 
you know, you know, getting up there and speaking to half a million people. Uh, the, you know, there, there's the same same influence level. So, but we have to first of all begin to um, not shy away from the call of influence. Okay, none of us are supposed to be wallflowers. There are some of us who who are you know more you know, vocal, some are more outgoing, whatever, however you want to put it, but none of us are supposed to be wallflowers where we have no influence. I, I, I'm speaking from a place of such influence in my life where I was the kind who never wanted to be seen or heard. I was the kind who just really wanted to be in the background. I was so happy just being in the background, helping wherever I could help, and just being that guy that was never seen or heard and just was able to help people in the, behind the scenes. And there's nothing wrong with behind, you know, helping people behind the scenes, of course, but understanding that every one of us, it doesn't matter whether we help behind the scenes or whether we're, we're you know, in the spotlight, it doesn't matter. We're all supposed to have influence. Okay. And so I just don't want people who are, who are the behind the scenes people to think that, that, you know, it's, that it's because they're not called to have influence. Now influence is, is, is part of our, everyone's DNA. Okay. We are here to change the world and nothing less. And so with that though, we see Jesus he was filled with the Spirit. He was the Son of God. He was the righteous of God. He was all those things. But there was a time when he didn't have influence, and then there was a time when he did. And that's kind of what we want to get into today, is there's a time when he didn't, and there's a time that he did. And it's important for us to see the steps that, that happen in between those two those two uh, uh, paradigms of Jesus' life. So before verse 14, Jesus doesn't have a lot of influence. After verse 14, he, his fame is spread throughout everything. And it says here, and he taught in the synagogues and being glorified of all. Doesn't mean that everybody had open arms and just embraced him. We know that. But we know that his influence raised, rose to such a level that that his fame went, went before him. So even when he went into towns, people had already heard of him. People already had expectation. They had they already knew that, that, the, that the kingdom was, was coming to their land. And so, and this is how it should be with us, praise God, because he is, a, he is our reflection. Now, so there's something that happens in between basically verse 1 and verse 14. And we know what happens is he goes up and he gets tempted by the devil in the wilderness, and he's led by the Spirit to go up and be tempted. Now, the, the temptation, what the devil did, okay, let me put it this way. You know, God doesn't need the devil to, to uh, um, qualify us for our call, okay? The devil, what the devil did, did not qualify Jesus for Jesus' call. What the devil did is not what what was needed for Jesus to uh, have be empowered or have influence in the earth. Okay, it's what how Jesus responded to the temptation. Okay, so don't just think that oh, it's you know, it's it's. God does not ever tag team with the devil. Let me just put it that way. Okay. He doesn't need a tag team partner. God's good on his own. Okay. But what was, what was required in Jesus life was he had to go up and have a wilderness experience. And, and that wilderness experience is how Jesus actually operated in that wilderness experience and how he responded is what settled some things in Jesus heart and life that allowed him to have the influence he was designed to have. And so if we don't have, you know, these types these times in our life, we will we'll stay in the same level of influence. Now, the Holy Spirit will lead us into wilderness experiences uh, and there's now I, I need to qualify these things because sometimes we kind of we lump everything together here. Um and, and in the word of God, we see 
uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to limit it to three, but I see I see basically three um, major wilderness experiences talked about in the Word, and we know that the first one is actually talked about with Moses. He was in the backside of the desert for forty years. And this is this was where you know here he is he's he's being a shepherd and everything else, and uh, and then after that forty year experience in the wilderness he gets called by the burning bush right in Exodus chapter three. Now we don't have a lot of details on that on that on that forty year period. Literally, we just have a couple verses that say he was there for forty years, and uh, and so we don't have a lot of detail of what happened. So apparently it didn't really matter what happened. Otherwise, God would put that in there. Okay, but we do know that that 40 years is what equipped Moses to respond properly to the burning bush. And uh, and so, that, so that's one, one wilderness experience that was very positive. It literally equipped Moses to to fulfill his call. Now, the, the next one was the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years, right? That's the most popular one, uh, because there's a lot written about that one. Now, understand, it was not God's plan for them to be there. God expected them or wanted them to go. Now, God knew it was going to happen. Don't get me wrong. He's omniscient, so it's not like a surprise. But still, God's highest and best for them was to go right from Egypt into the promised land. That's what God's best was. Okay, but they were in the wilderness, and you can see very clearly in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 that they were in the wilderness because they were stiff-necked, they were rebellious. You know, God, God, you know, we know a couple times when he's like, hey, Moses, step out of the way. I'm going to snuff them all out and start with you because they're so stiff-necked and rebellious. Um, and they're hard-hearted, it says in Hebrews. Uh, so that wilderness experience was not a good one, okay, even though, uh, even though you know, we know that, that at the end of it they went in the promised land, they were there way longer than they should have been, and it was only there because of pride. And and certain things had to die off in the wilderness before they could enter their and enter into, you know, the promised land. So that wilderness experience, even though it ended good, it, it was only there because of pride. Now Jesus was in the wilderness for forty days, but that wasn't because he was prideful, right? He wasn't stiff necked, right? So he wasn't. It wasn't the same wilderness experience as the children of Israel. And then in the wilderness experience with Israel, once again, in all three wilderness experiences with Moses, with with Israel, and with Jesus, you see the number 40 represented, right? And that actually represents a generation. And so there are generational things that get dealt with in the wilderness. And it it doesn't have to take 40 years. It doesn't even have to take 40 days. Uh, what, What has to happen is something has to get dealt with. Something has to maybe die off. Something has to just get confronted. But... And sometimes it will come through temptation. Sometimes it will come through just you being alone with God. Sometimes it will come through you facing your past. Whatever it happens. But what has to happen in that wilderness experience is there has to be old identity issues that get broken off. In the children of Israel, they were stiff-necked, they were rebellious because they had a slave mentality. And there was a whole generation that had to literally die in the wilderness before the younger generation could enter into the promised land. And it's because that older generation was just too stuck in their ways. Okay, and so what we have to do is realize, okay, if, if I'm not walking in the influence that I'm supposed to be walking in, it's probably because there's something that has to die off. There's an identity issue that has to be confronted. Now with Jesus, um, and Moses was the same way, I won't get into that right now, but um, you can, like I said, it, that'll, we'll probably get into another time. But um, but uh, with Jesus, if one thing I find interesting here is back in... Um, 
in uh, the the previous chapter, Luke chapter three, it says here, um, verse twenty one. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, "Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." Uh, it says, and Jesus himself began. Uh, to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Now notice what I, and then, then he starts going through this genealogy for the next several verses. He's talking about the son of the son of the son of the son of, and he's talking about this genealogy that traces Joseph all the way back to Adam. And, um, and so for the rest of the chapter, it's going through this genealogy of Joseph. And then the very next verse after the genealogy is chapter four. And so in chapter four is when he gets led up into the wilderness. Now, what, you know, I'm reading this years ago, and I'm looking at this going, okay, God, why did you put these things in here? Because here at first it says in verse 22 that the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus, and then there was a voice that was heard. Right, so everybody heard this voice from heaven. Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So here, everybody hears God proclaiming Jesus' sonship, right? And then it says in the very next verse, Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. So everybody around believed Jesus was the son of Joseph. And yet we know he was the son of God, right? We know that God literally just says for everybody to hear, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so then it says in verse 24 that he, that, or verse 23, that he was the supposed son of Joseph. And it goes through this whole genealogy of Joseph. And then the very next verse after that, he gets, he, he goes, he gets led up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And during that experience, uh, because of his responses, because of how he, he handled himself in the wilderness, he comes down empowered by the Holy Spirit, and his influence is now what it's supposed to be. His, his influence in, in, in chapter 4 is now proportionate to his anointing. Okay, his influence is proportionate to his anointing, and that's what God wants. He wants your influence, my influence, to be proportionate to our anointing. Jesus' anointing didn't change. But his influence changed. His call didn't change, but his influence changed. His sonship didn't change, but his influence changed. Okay? And so I'm looking at this one time going, what was going on with this? And if if you go through, and I'm not going to read this, but in Luke chapter 4, if you read through the temptation in the wilderness, what, what the devil tempted Jesus with over and over again was he said, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, do this, this, this. If you are the Son of God, do this. And Jesus would just quote the Scripture because he's like, because I'm the Son of God, I don't need to do all that stuff. I don't need to prove myself because I'm the Son of God. I'm the Son of God, so I'm not tied to anything that you do or say. I'm the Son of God, and therefore I'm not tied to anything of, of, of the enemy here. I'm the Son of God, therefore I'm a different kingdom than, than the kingdom of darkness. And so, you know, he didn't have to argue with the devil. He didn't have to, you know, battle the devil. He didn't have to, you know, overcome the devil because he was the Son of God. And yet, what he was overcoming was the. It says he was supposed to be or supposed to be the son of Joseph. And this whole genealogy that is in the back of Jesus' mind that everybody thinks he's tied to, everybody thinks he's tied to Joseph, everybody thinks he comes through the lineage of Joseph, everybody thinks he's coming through the genealogy of Joseph, through the traits of Joseph, through the strengths and weaknesses of Joseph, everybody thinks that he has this bloodline from, from Joseph. So everybody is tying 
his potential and his, his, his characteristics and his traits all to Joseph's line saying, oh, look, yeah, he's a carpenter like his father was a carpenter. He's a, you know, he's, he's this just like his grandfather was this and his great grandfather was this. And so they're, 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 they're trying to put Jesus in a box that looks like genealogy coming through Joseph. And then he, he, he gets baptized and God says, you're my beloved son. You're my son. You're not Joseph's son. You're my son. And he makes it clear. Everybody hears it. But you understand, Jesus had to hear that. Even though Jesus knew it on the inside, he had to hear it. And then he goes up in the wilderness, and the devil's like, if you are the son of God, if you really are, then do this and this and this and this. And Jesus is like, no, I, I know who I am. And he, he, he was so settled in his sonship that he had to break off any influence of the line of Joseph. He had to break off any influence in his own mind any limitation that Joseph's lineage might put on him, any limitation that the whole society and the whole culture around him is putting on him because they think that he's Joseph's son. When he confronted that and he broke that and settled that in himself, that he is not the son of, of the natural line that people think he came through, he is the son of God. When he, when he settled that in himself, then he came down empowered and in the influence that matches anointing. And so I just want to encourage you today. You know, we we know that, you know, we might have biological parents on this earth, you know, but that's not where we come from. We are children of the Most High God. We are the sons and daughters of God himself. That is literal. That is not figurative. That is, even though the whole world around us, even though, once again, even though our, our own relatives might think that we came from them, we didn't come from them. We came from God himself. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in the secret place. We are, it says that we are not of this world just as Jesus Jesus is not of this world. We are of the same bloodline as Jesus himself, and we have got to settle once and for all that we do not need to respond based on a genealogical bloodline. We respond from heaven and only heaven. We are of the kingdom of God. We are of our Father's kingdom, and we are in the family business. And when we begin to settle that, that's when our influence matches our anointing because we begin to understand who we're from. And we don't need to contend with the enemy. We don't need to contend with our past. We don't need to contend with the limitation of, of natural bloodlines or natural limitations. We simply need to walk in the in 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 the word of God as our DNA. And as we do that, like I said this is where we be where we where we're not just filled with the Spirit, but we're empowered by the Spirit and we're walking in the influence we're supposed to be walking in. So Father, right now I thank you for that. I just thank you. Just reveal these things to us. Reveal, Father God, maybe even thought processes that we have. We want to walk, Father God, in the influence that you've called us to walk in. And to do that, Lord God, we just thank you for a, a Jesus-like wilderness experience. We thank you, Lord God, that, that we can come into your presence and we can actually draw from you as our Father, as a literal Father, Lord God, that we are children of the Most High God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on Wisdom and Stuff. Don't forget to subscribe to get new updates and check out our podcast page on Podbean to find all our previous posts and full-length messages. We'll see you next time and have a blessed day.